Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled, Where Do You Stand?, was given by Darren Ramsen and is the 18th in our series, The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount what it means to be His disciple. He's teaching His audience which was primarily his disciples, his followers, what it meant to be his follower. Jesus was a rabbi, and that simply meant that he was somewhat of a teacher, but a rabbi had disciples, and Jesus already selected his twelve, according to Matthew. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, is teaching and answering the question, what does it mean to be my disciple? You see, a rabbi would explain his variation of the Torah, or the law, according to Moses. And every single rabbi, much like our churches around the world, have variations of theology. Each rabbi had their variation of Torah. And so when we read the Sermon on the Mount, we're reading Jesus' variation of what it means to live your life off of Torah, off of law. What it means, because Jesus uses kingdom language, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And Jesus, for the last, for us, seven months, has been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, us, as His disciples. He is not teaching us how to be believers. The Sermon on the Mount is defining what it means to follow Him with your life. Not put your belief in some theology. And so for the last seven months or so, since we've been a church officially, quote-unquote, we have been looking at the words of Jesus in the same way His early disciples looked at His words. One message on a hill. And we've been breaking it down verse by verse. And Jesus has explained to us that in the kingdom of God... As His follower, we become people who love our enemies. We don't even have enemies. In the kingdom of God, we deal with anger appropriately. We don't manipulate. We don't control. And He goes through systematically how we deal with people. And I've done this, I think, every week, it seems like. But it's like we need to be reminded every week. But Jesus kind of started off, remember introducing, hey, who gets into the kingdom of heaven? And it's like he launches this airplane, and he goes through the air explaining what kingdom life looks like. And last week, he starts to land the plane. Do you remember last week's message? Bill talked through some things. He said, guess what? There are many paths out there, and those paths lead to destruction. But my path is a narrow gate, and it's a hard road but mine leads to eternal life. This is Jesus talking. And He said, some people will come and speak truth, quote-unquote, but they are false prophets. How do we know? Well, by their fruit. By their lives. False prophets, you can tell what they are by the way they live. And He says, good fruit comes from a good tree and bad fruit comes from a bad tree. And then he finishes last week's message with something very profound. It's even scary to think of. He says, some of you, 
Not everyone who says Lord, excuse me, he says, not everyone who says Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Some of you will even prophesy, cast out demons, and do miraculous things. But Jesus will say to those people, I never knew you. According to Jesus, part of our discipleship then is knowing God. And not just knowing about Him, but it's about being known by Him. The Sermon on the Mount is awfully convicting. It's not as pretty as the Psalms sometimes. He is laying down a foundation for what it means to live now that you've heard. So turn with me to Matthew 7. Verse 24, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. There's some Bibles on the sides. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is landing the plane, so to speak. Verse 24, everyone then who hears these these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it, it had been founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. When the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house. It fell, and great was its fall. Jesus concludes his whole sermon with a piece of ancient wisdom. This would, would have been familiar language for anyone that was Jewish. He's speaking in a proverbial way, in a psalm way. It's like Psalm chapter 1. And, and to be honest, again, and this, is, this is, gets really frustrating as a teacher because I want to teach the really clever, complex concepts because then I can prove how smart I am to you. But Jesus is teaching something very, very simple. He's saying this. First, let me, before he says it, when, when Jesus says, when you build, um, everyone who hears my words and acts on them, they are like a wise man who built their house on a rock. Jesus is saying now, and I think we need to get this, that his words are equivalent to Torah. So think about this. If you're a Jewish person living in the first century, the law of Moses is the most profound thing you have in your life. You build everything on that law. That law. And Jesus is now saying what he just spoke on, the Sermon on the Mount, is just as equal, as, pow- as powerful, just as profound, just as significant to build your life off of as Torah. So he's talking about his language. So he's, equivalent, uh, he's making his words now on par with the word of the Lord from Moses. He says... Um, those who hear my words and act on them, they will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, if you were a Jew and you heard this, this is a very simple parable. It's not as complex as some of the other parables that Jesus talks about, like the, you know, the unkind steward or the unjust steward. They're, they're really confusing. Jesus is saying something very simple. Look, to build a house on a rock takes a lot more work in the foundation. It's harder. To build a house on sand is a lot easier. And the question he's asking today is this. Do you want an easy home or a house that will remain?
And I just want to say, before we get into this, because my message is short today. I'm going to sit. Hopefully you guys can see me. That obedience to Jesus Christ does not mean a blissful life. It does not mean that troubles, that pain, that hardships, that persecution won't happen. That won't come into your life. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, if rain and floods and the wind comes. He's saying when. The point is this. The Sermon on the Mount is the curriculum for life. It becomes the foundation as disciples of what we live our life out of. I want you to think back to everything that we talked on. And maybe you're new today. I'm going to list it at the end. But but Jesus is asking us today, as, as as the sermon kind of comes to a close, He's saying, what are you standing on? What foundation have you built your life on as a follower? So the Sermon on the Mount becomes a foundation for our lives as disciples and what it means to follow Jesus. He's saying there's quite a few ways to live your life. There are plenty of possibilities, but there's only one way that brings a life of flourishing. There's only one way that will enable you to be fully yourself. Does that language make sense? That becoming more like Jesus will make you more yourself than any other way. Because Jesus was fully human and he teaches us how to be fully human. And if if this doesn't make sense, I'm not going to go back, but we've been teaching through this. Jesus is saying, this is what it means to be human. This is what it means to be created in the image of God. The whole series on the Sermon on the Mount is describing in detail what life fully lived looks like. So this whole, this whole thing is about discipleship. Now, how many of you learned how to ride a bike by theorizing about mechanics? Some of you maybe saw some pictures and sat in a classroom as someone articulated all the details on how a bike operates and you had to learn all of those brake systems and, and turn left, turn, I mean, all those hand signals, right? Did we learn how to ride a bike that way? No. Jesus is giving us this platform in the Sermon on the Mount as a way to jump in, to jump on top of the bike and begin to pedal. Discipleship is not designed for the classroom or on Sunday. Discipleship is designed for the world. How many of you, honestly, would like to be free from loneliness, fear, anxiety, and be filled with a constant state of peace and joy? Would some of you like to love your neighbors as yourself and be free from angry, anger, envy, lust, covetedness? Would you like to have no need for others to praise you? And would you like to not be paralyzed or humiliated by the dislikes and condemnations of others? 
Would you like to have the inspiration and strength to lead a constant life of creative goodness? Wouldn't you like to have the strength to genuinely and naturally bless those who are cursing you? Those who are cheating you out of a job or spitting on you in confrontation, laughing at your religion, your beliefs, your culture, even killing you. Wouldn't some of you like to go outside and look at people and see them as God sees them? Or even better yet, wouldn't you like to look into the mirror and see what God sees? And not everything else. The Sermon on the Mount for the last seven months has been our training wheels this articulate foundation that now becomes the curriculum for all of life in the kingdom. And it's a life, according to Jesus, that's built on choices of belief and choices of action. And we learn how to model our life after Jesus in real time, in real environments. So Jesus says to us, those that have heard my words, those that have heard what I've said, those of you that have sat here for a couple of months and listened to us go on and on and on and on about life in the kingdom, and you choose to live your life in a different way, well, simply, you are foolish. You are ignorant. You're, you're so ignorant that you'd be the type of person that would build a house on shifting sands. When trials come, your life falls apart. When reality hits, when you lose your job, when someone cusses you, at, cusses you out, when your roommates do something you don't like, you forget who you represent. Because your life was not founded on the foundation of life. But then he says... That those of us that hear His words, and hearing and doing is such a weird thing, that hear His words and act upon His words, that discipline our lives, that grind out the things that are not like Jesus intentionally through the power of His Spirit. We're like wise men and women that build homes on rocks, that when those same trials and whatever crap you can imagine that come in the imagery of, of rain, wind, and floods, some of you are there right now. When those things come, you can stand. It's a very simple message. Those of us that have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior are no longer asked to be believers. We're asked to be His followers. How are you doing as His follower? As disciples, we learn how to deal with our anger. Most of us are angry people and we don't even realize. It comes out in traffic. comes out with our roommates, with our spouses. It comes out in manipulation and control. It comes out when the waiter messes up our order and we're in a hurry. 
We deal with our anger. We learn how to discipline our anger. We learn how to discipline lust. We don't, as disciples, we're not addicted to pornography. I'm tired of hearing the same struggle from men. If you are addicted to pornography, don't have a computer in your home, period. It's about getting serious with what we call life. Jesus is saying as, our, as disciples, following Him actually means something. And you know what? The church has done a horrible job of teaching us how to be disciples. And, and I'm part of the church. I criticize myself. We've done a horrible job of teaching discipleship. We think discipleship is about learning something and believing something and that somehow that's, that just changes our action. The Greeks will say, what you believe will produce what you do. The Jews, Jews will say, what you do produces what you believe. And Jesus is saying both. And what the church has done is we've created artificial environments. Think about this. We create artificial environments. Now, imagine if I was training for a triathlon. I'm going to train for a race. But winter comes and it's raining and, and I'm not going to go outside. So I run on the treadmill. I, I practice on a, on a bike trainer which allows me to ride my bike without going anywhere. And I swim in a heated pool. The point of me training is not to get good at those things. The point of me training is to win a race against real people on a real track. And Jesus calls us to be salt in the world, but the church creates salt shakers so that we can preserve our culture as the church. So discipleship looks at attending a Bible study. Discipleship looks like showing up on Sunday. It looks like serving one day a year called Serve the City. That's what discipleship looks like. So we remain in the salt shaker when we're asked to be poured out. Not to preserve our subculture, not to create Christian radio stations, not to create not-of-this-world clothing companies. Those are great, but we're called to be infused in culture. We're called to work out our discipleship in real time, not on a treadmill, but in real relationships. Jesus has been teaching us what it means to ride our bike in the world. So we deal with our anger not in Christian 101 classes how to deal with anger. We deal with it by actually being held accountable to our anger with real people. I love this because our artificial environments are this. We, we show up early and we serve on Sunday. And we need help on Sunday. We need you to. But you come to church and you serve the church, but you forget to open your doors to your neighbors, so you lock the doors. And you don't even know their names. And I'm not speaking at you. I'm so convicted of this. I'm with you. I just get to tell you what it looks like to struggle with this. Guys, I, I struggle with this. Oh my gosh. I, you know what? I, I don't do push-ups. Not that I do a lot of them right now. But you don't do push-ups to get good at push-ups. You do it to get strong. To be healthy. We don't, we don't discipline ourselves through the curriculum of life, the Sermon on the Mount, to just get good at those things. We do it to represent Jesus on earth. Oh, man. I mean, I don't... I, 
I wake up at least five days out of the week, and this is true, and I read Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, on how to be a good husband. Paul says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to your husbands, yada, yada, yada. And then he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And he gives you this long explanation. I don't read that so I can just know how to be a good husband as a discipline. I read it because I really want to be a good husband. And it's not natural. Honestly. It is so, it's so easy for me to be selfish in my marriage. I have the most amazing, incredible wife. But I blow it on a continual basis. But I'm being held accountable by my brother, by my friends, by my wife. I'm being held accountable by the standards of Scripture. And I discipline myself so that what becomes, what is not second nature becomes second nature. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching us a new language. Sure, in the beginning... We learn syntax, we learn grammar, we learn definition of terms and meaning. We say things and we learn how to pronunciate things, but we don't do it so we just practice those things. We do it so we become fluent in the language of life. We are called by Christ in the Sermon on the Mount to represent Him on earth in every possible way. That doesn't mean doing big things all the time. It doesn't mean by doing evangelism crusades. It means by being people of our word. Letting our yeses be yeses. It means actually not controlling people with anger. It means that we see people as, as children of God. It means that we work out our spirituality in a way that when we pray, we're actually praying to a Father in Heaven, not for people around us. That when we fast, we're doing it to discipline ourselves, not for other people, but for ourselves. It means that we can live life and not be anxious about a thing. This is what it means to be a disciple. And Jesus is saying, this, I've said it already. Are you willing to follow me? Because if you are, then you have to learn to live your life on everything I've just said. Some of you are, are wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus. Well, this honestly is not an easy welcoming. It's not an easy introduction. Churches in the first century, in the early church, had processes of becoming labeled as a Christian. Catechism is the name we get from it. But these long classes of, of learning and following and that you were tested by the elders just to be seen if, if you maybe had what it takes to take on the name Christian, little Christ, like Christ. But we just want to give it out to anyone that says, I believe in Jesus. Not, that's not it. Fully. That's part of it. But when we say that, yes, you're welcome. Now here's what you got to do. And He's going to do it through you. So I don't, want you hear, I don't want you hearing today that it's a works of salvation. It's not about salvation here. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saved. This is about becoming like Christ. This is the point of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think some of us here have been really content, really content with saying that our discipleship is, is found in the Bible studies. So we love the Bible studies, but we don't love our Bible. 
We don't read the Word. We love Sundays. And you know what? We're experts at criticizing the speakers. We're experts at, at criticizing the worship leaders. We're experts at saying this was awkward, this was awkward. But we don't know what it means to live in a community where you're known, where you're challenged, where you're a part of that community, where you are the church. So we're, we're hindered by our preferences, by, our, by, by how great someone can say something. By what, what caught us off guard because that was a funny teacher. I'm not making you laugh today. I'm simply telling you the simple truth. Are you living your life on the right foundation? If so, it's going to cost something. Jesus says, discipleship is following me into the world and learning how to be like me in relationships to others. Not just the church, but in the world. How are you guys doing on that? How are we doing with our neighbors? I mean, I hear stories from some of you, and you guys are amazing. Some of you are living this out. Some of you need to hear that. You are living out the gospel, and it's obvious. Some of you come and you sit and maybe you stand, maybe not. It's not a big deal if you do or not, but are you worshiping inside? Are you worshiping during the six days of the week that we don't gather here? Are you known? When the lights are off and nobody's home, are you being what Jesus has asked you to be? That's what we're talking about. I just want to go over some... I, I was sitting, thinking through everything that Jesus has said, and He says, those that hear My words, and that, that word, words, is referring to everything that He just taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And I, without even looking over, because I've been teaching this, I just went through topically what I remember from the Sermon on the Mount. And I had like this cool little thing that you can go online and type in wordle.com, uh, .net, and you can type in all the words and it will create this cool thing. Um, that's an image, but I want to read what I, what I actually put in there. I, this is what Jesus talks about. He talks about what God is really like. He talks about who gets into the kingdom. He talks about who's truly blessed, what it means to live out as salt and light, to be righteous. He talks about murder and anger, manipulation, control, treatment of others, adultery, lust, perception of others, divorce, Commitment, oaths, exaggerations, false swearing, retaliation, eye for an eye, turn the other cheek, go two miles. Excuse me. Give to those who ask. Enemies, love, children of God. He says be perfect. Excuse me again. Conditions of our hearts, hypocrisy, rewards in heaven, treasures on earth, giving in secret, insecurities. Talks about identity. Talks about Father in heaven, intimacy in prayer, power in prayer, forgiveness, generosity, fasting, treasures in heaven, heart he talks about our heart. He talks about money. He talks about two masters. Going too fast? Are you catching some of these? Kingdom of wealth or kingdom of God. He talks about anxiety, worry. Do not worry, he says. He says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first righteousness. He says, there's a way to live non-anxiously. He talks about judgment. He talks about a relationship to others. He talks about a relationship to self. He talks about a relationship of self to God. He talks about a relationship of self to others. He says to ask. He talks about accomplishing things in the kingdom. He says to seek talks about getting things done. He says to knock. He says to do to others as, you'd, as you would want them to do to you. 
He talks about obedience to truth, the narrow gate, good fruit comes from good trees. He says, I never knew you. He talks about intimacy and relationship. He says, belief and action are one and the same. And he says, start acting on what is true. That's just what I could remember. So, pick one of those and start working on it. Let me read this one more time and we'll begin in worship. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to leave this to your leading. You speak to us and you say in, in Acts that anyone that has your spirit has the ability to speak your truth and I believe that your spirit is present and your spirit is moving and your spirit wants to speak to each and every one of us some way. So Lord, would you come and bring clarity Lord, I pray for those that are hearing this and are, are convicted that they are simply believers and they are not followers. Lord, would you gently bring them to a place to understand what it means to be a follower of you? Lord, and I know all of us have something to work on. Would you, right now, give us practical ways that we can work out our faith? Lord, for those of us that struggle, would you allow us to stand strong in you? I pray for breakthrough today. Holy Spirit, come. I pray for a release of, uh, of freedom. I pray for freedom and I pray for a new understanding. Move us into right response. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from the Garden or would like to find out more about the Garden Church, please visit us on the web at thegardenlb.org.